Next week, we will resume our series in the book of Philippians. But this morning, we will be in Daniel chapter 12. While you're finding that in your Bibles, again, just want to thank everyone for making yesterday possible. 195 people showed up for that seminar yesterday. Yeah. Great turnout. And I think I remember to thank everyone except Steve Terrence. So, Steve, thank you. Appreciate him yesterday running the sound and everything for us yesterday. One other thing. On Wednesday this week, obviously, always love to see everyone that can come out on Wednesday, but I, I want to give a special invitation for you to come out this Wednesday. We're going to be looking at Psalm 127, talking about how worship banishes anxiety. And we live in a world of anxiety, a world of stress, a world of worry. And the Bible teaches us that when we learn to worship God as we should, that that can banish the anxiety from our life. So I hope you'll come out and take advantage of being together with God's people, of the time of worship, and also our time in the Word. Today was another message that we wanted to sort of wrap around our Revelation seminar yesterday. And last week we talked about why I believe we are living in the last days, looking at signs of the times in which we live. And now today we want to look at this passage in Daniel chapter 12 as to how to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the last days. Because the Bible tells us that in the last days, perilous or difficult times will come. Uh, that's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In other words, the Bible is reminding us that these days are difficult for all people, but they present specific challenges to those who want to follow Christ. And the chapter we're going to look at this morning, Daniel chapter 12, was obviously Daniel, this Jewish man, writing to his fellow Jews, the people of God, saying, this is who we need to be in the last days. Now, I do not believe that the church has now sort of become Israel, and that Israel and the church are one and the same now. I believe that Israel and the church will always maintain a distinctiveness throughout history. The Israel is made up of Jewish people. And can only be made up of Jewish people, not Gentiles. But when Jesus created the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can be made up of Jew and Gentile, which is obviously true today. So what Daniel, though, has to say to his people, the Jewish people, we can certainly apply to us even today as followers of Jesus Christ. They are principles which we can apply to our life. And we want to look at these today, again, as sort of reminders of what do we as the people of God need to focus on, need to be reminded of, need to be mindful of in the times in which we live if we do believe we are living in the last days. Well, the first thing is this. Be comforted by God's protection. 
Look at chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 1. At that time, Michael, who's by the way, this angel's name means who is like God. At that time, Michael, the great prince, who watches over your people, will arise. He's reminding his people, look, you have a warrior advocate. The archangel Michael, who watches over you. It is his responsibility before God to watch over the people of God. Now, not like he's the only angel to watch over the people of God, but he, that's sort of his main responsibility. And he is there to support the people of God and be there for them and watch over them and protect them. And we know God protects his people. The Bible says that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds his people. But the Bible also tells us that God will use his angelic creation to also offer protection and support. And we see this throughout Scripture. The writer of Hebrews says, Are they, speaking of the angelic host, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation? So we not only have the God of the universe watching over us, and Jesus said, why are you worrying? Because my Father in heaven knows when a sparrow drops to the ground. Do you not think he will care enough about you? But we also have an angelic host watching over us as well. And it is their responsibility to minister and to serve the saints of God, the people of God. And I love this when it says that the one who watches over your people will arise. He will come on the scene. He will stand up. In other words, it's a reminder that it's almost like in some way, you know, Michael could be seated and then something happens and you see Michael standing up as if, wait a minute, I got to give this a little bit more attention and I got to deal with this. And the reason I, I love that is because you see, in a sense, that, that same thing in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 7, when you have the servant of God, Stephen, being stoned to death because of his faith in Christ and because of his outspokenness, if you will, of the gospel, challenging the religious leaders of Israel. And, and so they, they begin to stone Stephen to death. And Stephen looks up in heaven and he says, I, I see the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And it's if Jesus Christ is standing up for Stephen because Stephen stood up for Jesus Christ. It is a reminder to us that God sees everything that's going on and that ultimately we can be comforted by his protection, his sovereign protection, as we've been sharing over the last couple of weeks. You read the book of Job and you realize that, that Satan could not touch Job unless he asked for God's permission. So Daniel is saying, look, I know the days are difficult. And you and I know the days in which we live. They are filled with violence. There's all kinds of violence everywhere. 
And even Christians can get to the point where we become fearful and afraid of everything that's going on and all the possibilities. And God is saying, do not be afraid. We talked about that yesterday. I mean, it's the one thing that Jesus Christ says to his people, the church. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am the Almighty God. I am on my throne. Don't be afraid. Be comforted by God's protection. But, also, notice, be ready for trouble and persecution. Be ready for trouble and persecution. For after the word arise, Daniel says, there will be a time of distress. A time of trial and tribulation, unlike any other from the nation's beginning up to that time. Now, I believe specifically here what Daniel is talking about is the great tribulation, that seven-year period that we talked about yesterday in the book of Revelation. And by the way, the two sort of greatest prophetic books in the Bible are Revelation in the New Testament and the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. They contain more prophetic elements than really any other New Testament or Old Testament book in their scope. And yet, even though, as I shared yesterday, I believe that the people of God, the church, will be raptured out before the tribulation, the principle still applies. That you and I don't know how far we're going to go And what kind of trouble and persecution you and I are going to have to face as the people of God before we are raptured out of here. So we, just like the Jewish people who will be here during the tribulation period, we need to be ready for a time of distress. Paul said, difficult, perilous days will come. There will be unique challenges to the church and to the people of God because the demonic world knows that their time is short and there will be an all-out onslaught on the church and the people of God and this world will become less and less tolerant of Christians and churches and proclaiming the truth of God and there will be more and more attacks upon Christians and the church and we need to be ready for it you say well how do you get ready for something like that you and I get strong in the Lord The only way you and I are going to be able to deal with the unique challenges and pressures of the world in which we live as Christians is if you and I are strong, if our churches are strong, you see. Because there will be tremendous pressure, intimidation coming against us as the people of God in the last days. Well, then he goes on to say this. But, he says, count on God to rescue his people. Count on God to rescue his people. He says, but at that time, your own people, all those whose names are found written in the book, will escape. They will be rescued and therefore preserved. 
Daniel was saying to his own people, look, even at the darkest time of human history, you can count on God to deliver you, to, in a sense, save you, to rescue you, to preserve you through everything that you're going to go through. Again, we saw this yesterday in the book of Revelation. God sealed during the tribulation period 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And those 144,000 were preserved all the way through the tribulation. Their lives were kept intact because they had a mission from God. And anytime you and I are on a mission from God, we cannot be touched until our mission is done. And then God says, come on home. And so Daniel is again encouraging his people. Yes, it's going to be a tremendous time of distress and trial and tribulation and suffering. But we must understand that God will preserve and rescue his people. Now, I want to point this out at the end of verse 1 of chapter 12. You will notice he makes reference to those whose names are found written in the book. We talked about this book yesterday. It is called in the book of Revelation, the book of life. And in Revelation chapter 11, or excuse me, chapter 20, verse 15, John says, All those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. See, you and I, before we go any further, we need to make sure, do you know that your name is written in the book of life? Because if not, you are facing eternal separation from God and all that is worthwhile for all of eternity. You say, well, how do I get my name in that book? The Bible clearly says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is simply by placing your personal faith in Jesus Christ and he alone for your salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It is very clear that the Bible teaches that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. And if you and I forsake trying to come to God or having a relationship with God based upon our own righteousness and our own good works, because the Bible clearly says that won't cut it. Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any human being should boast. And so over and over and over again, the Bible says this is how we get our name in the book of life. And before any of us leave here today, I want you to know that you know that you know that your name is written in the book of life. I don't want you to leave here this morning doubting that. I want you to seal the deal today. And all you have to do is find someone, some person here that you trust who will share with you how you can know that you know that you know. Or maybe at the end of the service, you are willing to come forward in order to seal that deal and let someone from our church come alongside and pray for you and pray with you and in a sense show you and tell you how you can know that you know that you know. John said, these things were written that you might know that you have eternal life. 
do you know that your name is written in the book of life? The next thing Daniel says in verse 2 is hope in the resurrection. Hope in the resurrection. Many of those who sleep in the dusty ground will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting abhorrence. But the truth is this. Everyone will be resurrected. Everyone will be resurrected. It's just, where will we go once our body is resurrected? Now, I believe the Bible teaches that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I believe that until our body is resurrected, that we are given an intermediate body to live in, in heaven, until our body is resurrected. But the Bible clearly teaches, as it does here, there are two different resurrections. In fact, in the book of Revelation, John says, Blessed is he or she who has part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But the second resurrection is the one that those who are, have rejected Christ and are unbelievers, they are resurrected to face God at the great white throne judgment, again, that we talked about yesterday. You and I, we have hope in our resurrection because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And we believe that through Christ, we have power over death. And that's why Paul even said to the Corinthians, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I don't need to fear death. As Paul said to the Philippians, I know that to depart and be with Christ is far better. And therefore, I have no fear of death. I know where I'm going when I die because I know that my name is written in the book of life and I have hope in the resurrection. And not just hope in the resurrection. But I know that when I am resurrected, I know where I'm headed. I'm headed to everlasting life. Because I already possess everlasting life, and so do you if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. See, we already possess eternal life. It's just that the culmination of it will continue after the resurrection of our body. There's so much we could talk about here. But I just want you again to see the Bible only says there's only two ways, two destinies. There's not multiple. The Bible doesn't teach in you know, reincarnation. The Bible doesn't teach that there's different, you know, destinies for, you know, different... Two, that's it. From Genesis through Revelation, that's all the Bible teaches. Two destinies. You and I are either in the book of life or we are not. We are either resurrected to everlasting life or we are either resurrected to everlasting abhorrence. There is no middle ground. There is no possible way to be, you know, stay on the fence when it comes to Jesus Christ. We either receive him or we reject him. And Jesus even said to his own followers, if they are not for us, then they are against us. So many human beings even try to not even put themselves in that and make a decision. By not making a decision for Christ, you've made a decision. 
If you don't say yes to Jesus, then you're automatically saying yes to everything else. And you're trusting in something else or someone else for your ultimate eternal destiny and salvation other than Jesus. So Daniel says, hope in the resurrection. And then I love this. He says, live wisely and point others to Jesus. <laughs> That's what you and I need to be reminded of in the days of darkness in which we live. To live wisely and point others to Jesus. Notice verse 3. But the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse. And those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. Daniel is saying to his people, be light. Send forth light with your life. Don't hide it under a bushel, as Jesus says, but let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are we shining? Yesterday again, we talked about the church being illustrated as a lampstand by Jesus. That's because Jesus wants all of his churches to be light in their community. He wants us to shine forth his light. Jesus came along and said to his followers, I'm the light of the world. And then a little bit later, he said, you are the light of the world in me. You now have been given my light if you believe in me. So shine, be bright. That's how you and I can be wise. By, in a sense, being a, a channel, a, a conduit, if you will, a, a receptacle for the light of God. Now, let me say this. In the Bible, and we're going to talk more about this in the months to come, there's a great illustration of, of a, a person of God and how you and I can stay shining. Uh, take the book of Zechariah, where there's these visions of these light sources and on either side of the light sources, Zechariah said, I saw uh, olive trees. And I saw sort of the olive oil, if you will, or the, the oil from, the, from that being poured into the, the lamps or the light sources. And what those olive trees or that oil is symbolic of is the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible teaches us as God's people, you and I want to stay shining, we want to be bright, then we need to be constantly connected to the power of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit's empowering presence overtake our life so that we can be light everywhere we go. It's not like you and I, you know, should turn on and turn off the light of God in our life. God wants us as his people to be light everywhere. Everything we do, everywhere we go, every person we come in contact with, we should be light and point others to Jesus, which is what he means by bringing many to righteousness. And I love this. He says, if you and I are shining our light for Christ on earth, if we are bright for Jesus now, he says that light will never go out. He said you will shine like the stars forever and ever. You see, the Bible teaches us that when we get to heaven, that, that we are given some glory of God for us too. And that there's going to be 
his glory radiating and reflecting through our glorified bodies for all of eternity. And the brighter we are then is because we were bright for God now. The next thing Daniel says is this. Treasure God's Word and do everything we can to grow in our understanding of it. Treasure God's Word and grow in your understanding of it. In verse 4, But you, Daniel... Close up these words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will dash about and knowledge will increase. Now this verse is a little bit difficult to translate. But because you could take it in the English as if he's saying, Daniel, hide these words away. Seal them up as if if hide them, you know. It's got to be a secret, but that's not at all what God meant when he talked to Daniel here. He's saying, protect the storehouse of treasured words. Keep them safe. Preserve them intact, is what he is saying here. In fact, the concept and the wording that God is giving to Daniel here is where we get our English word thesaurus from. What is a thesaurus? It is a treasure of wonderful words to be able to use. And in a sense, that's the concept that God is saying to Daniel. He's saying, I've given you treasured words. Treasure them. Guard them. Preserve them. Protect them. Watch over them. Keep them intact. And grow in your understanding of them. And share them with others. In fact, again, there's... A positive way to look at this verse, and there's a negative way. I choose to look at the positive way to look at this verse. When at the end he says, many will travel about and knowledge will increase. I take this phrase to mean that there will finally be with the people of God this careful attention to these treasured words of God, and they will literally at that time grow in their spiritual insight and understanding. Because immersion brings insight. Let me repeat that. Because that's a principle that just, that's just true with anything. But especially with spiritual things. Immersion in something brings insight. So God is saying to Daniel, Daniel, immerse yourself in my word and you'll begin to have greater insight. And then encourage others to immerse themselves in my treasured book. And they'll begin to have insight. That's always the case. What have they said to us for years about what is the, really the best way to learn a foreign language? Immerse yourself in that culture. In other words, if a person like me wants to learn Spanish and how to speak Spanish and how to understand all that, just... Go live with somebody. Seriously, go, go into a home of Spanish-speaking people and immerse yourself in the, and hear it all the time and then start to use it and start to hear how they use it. That's the best way to learn something is immerse yourself in it. And so God is saying to Daniel, I've given you a treasure. 
It's my word. I've revealed it to you. Immerse yourself in it so that you can gain insight. Then, the next one, verse 5. Patiently trust in God's timing. You and I need to be reminded of that as well. Because <laughs> I know there are a lot of Christians that like, okay, Lord, you, I mean, I, and I'm like this too, like, Jesus, you could come back at any time and be okay with me. But there's a reason why God is delaying. And even Peter said, do we not know as the people of God that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day and he's not slack concerning his promise to come, but he is waiting for others to come to know him and to repent because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I know that the delay of God coming might again be more difficult and challenging for us, but we've always got to remember that God is giving others a few more opportunities to not only come to him, but maybe even the people of God to get our act together and for us as churches to get our act together so that we can shine more brightly in the darkness in which we find ourselves. So notice verse five, I Daniel watched as two others stood there on each side of the river. One said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, When will the end of these wondrous events occur? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was over the waters of the river as he raised both his right and left hands to the sky and made an oath by the one who lives forever. It is for time, times, and half a time. I believe that's three and a half years. Then when the power of the one who shatters the holy people has been exhausted, all these things will be finished. Did you know a couple, did you see a couple things there that really stood out to me? The first one is at the end of verse seven. When the one who shatters the holy people, do you realize that? That even in God's plan, God is going to allow, you know, evil and wickedness to seemingly win, it looks like, and overcome to some degree. And we again talked about this yesterday. It's just like in the death of Jesus. I personally believe that Satan and his demonic, you know, forces thought that they had won. Jesus is dead. We've won, right? No. Jesus rose from the dead three days later. God always has the last word. God always has the defining word. It's not over until God says it's over. And so often in our world, in our life, we take a snapshot in time and we say, oh, looks like God's not winning anymore. Looks like God's losing here. And God's like, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me to work out everything in my time? And there are going to be times throughout history where it looks like evil is advancing and winning. But ultimately, God is always on his throne and he's always in control and he's always going to bring about things as to the, what he has planned and purposed. I mean, yeah, look at even just the Jewish people. Whether it was Persia trying to wipe them out through Haman and the book of Esther, whether it was the Greek empire that tried to wipe them out through Antiochus Epiphanes, whether it was Hitler and, you know, Germany and during World War II, over and over again, it looked like we're going we're gonna to get wiped out. 
I mean, you even think about it, go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. You, you realize that the plan of God had been reduced due to the wickedness of, of, of people on the earth, that the plan of God was reduced to one family. If, if it wouldn't have been for known as family, then guess what? No human beings for the Messiah to ever come through. Promise of God would have been lost in history and all would have been gone. And yet God said, don't worry, I got this. Yeah, there's only one family left, but I'm going to build it back up after they get off the ark and we're going to keep on moving forward. And so that's what God is saying to Daniel here. He's saying, trust in my timing of all of these things. At the appropriate moment, God will intervene. Everything will happen as God intended at the right time. That's what you and I have to just keep trusting in as well. Trust in God's timing. Now, one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible for me is found in verse 8. Where even the great man of God, Daniel, said, I heard, but I did not understand. Yay, good, thank you. Because can I tell you, there are times where, you know, I'm getting, you know, messages from the Lord, or I'm reading and trying to study stuff, and it's like, God, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around this or understanding it. It's okay. We're not always going to get it right away or, or see it clearly the very first time or whatever. That's part of the reason why we've got to keep immersing ourselves in it. So be encouraged by that. But then he says, sir, what will happen after these things? And he said, go, Daniel, for these matters are closed and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made clean and refined, but the wicked will go on being wicked. None of the wicked will understand, though the wise will understand. Here's what I want us to take away from that verse. Embrace the refining process of God. Notice what God said to Daniel. Many will be purified, made clean, and refined. And how are we refined and purified? Usually through fire. (laughs) It's usually through the hard times that purification and refining and sharpening, if you will, and all of that uh, really comes forward. I mean, even taking metals. If you put iron in a fire long enough, the fire begins to become part of or meld into the iron itself. And what does that do then if the iron stays long enough in the fire and the fire is allowed to actually get into the iron, the iron actually becomes stronger. And that's why God allows fire sometimes in our life and allows those trials and tribulations. It's not to defeat us. It's not to discourage us. It's not to make us weaker. It's actually to make us stronger. God wants His people to be strong in Him. And sometimes we have to, just like Daniel and his people, go through a refining process. You think of the refining process that Daniel and his friends went through. They were in exile in Babylon for 70 years. But I tell you this, by the time they were done in Babylon for 70 years, and we talked about this Wednesday night even in the psalm, 
that they were so on fire for God when they got out of Babylon. Man, that group that came back to the promised land and started to rebuild the temple again and get involved in worship again. Man, they had a fire for God that couldn't be put out. Because they were purified and refined. All that really didn't matter was gone. And all that they were willing to focus on was what really mattered in life. One more principle found in verse here, the verses here at the end. In verse 11, from the time the daily sacrifice is removed, again, talking about things that are going to happen during the tribulation period and the abomination that causes desolation is set in place. There are 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits and attains to the 1,325 days. But you should go your way, Daniel, until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will arise to receive what you have been allotted. The last principle is basically endure to the end knowing it is worth it. Notice he says to Daniel, Daniel, go your way. Keep doing what I'm asking you to do. Don't get distracted. Don't get caught up in things that don't matter. Just go your way. And there will come a point where you will rest. But don't rest now. So let me say this. Retirement, that whole concept for a follower of Jesus Christ should never exist. There should never be a Christian who says, I'm retired. While we're on earth is not the time to retire from anything or rest. Now is the time to keep advancing and not retreating. It's not the time to retire. It's not the time to take our rest. One day when we get to eternity, that's when we can rest, if you will, for all of eternity in some way. But my friends, now's not the time to back off, to become complacent, to become apathetic. Now is the time for the people of God to rise up like never before and to persevere and endure until the end. Jesus even said, blessed are they who endure until the end. Over and over and over again, Jesus said, don't back off the pedal of your life. Don't let up. Because as soon as we do that, then we become weaker and not maintain our spiritual strength to be able to face the challenges that will be unique to us as the people of God in the days in which we live. These, I believe, are great principles for us to be mindful of as you and I live in the last days. Could we stand, please, and pray? As we stand here today, I believe that there are many of you here right now and some of you who are listening to this message over podcast and you are dealing right now with an assault, an all-out attack on your soul. There are forces raging against your soul. And you need to pause at this moment here on Sunday and you need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister to you, to meet you, to manifest Himself to you, to work in your life. And so I'm going to ask, as we sing this last song this morning,
that if you need to do business with God, if you need to align yourself with God, or maybe you just need to allow God's ministry to come into your life and bring healing and wholeness, as your soul has become assaulted and attacked in the days and weeks and maybe even months leading up to this day, would you come today and let God minister to you as only God can?